Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Sometimes we carry this theology that God's in control. You know, this thing is in my life. I don't know why it happened. It can't be because I made this choice five years ago. It can't be because I did this. But then there are other things that are totally out of our control. There are injustices and, and attacks that happen in our lives. But God says he's got good plans for us. God says that he's got plans for us to prosper. You know, we went, um, Sarah and the kids and I went up to North Georgia yesterday, and we were hiking, and we went to one of the waterfalls, and you know, there, there was, a, there was a, a tree right in the middle of a bunch of rocks with water all around it. And, and it's, it was one of the very rocky waterfalls, one of the more touristy ones, uh, um, Anna Ruby Falls. Have you been to Anna Ruby Falls? Really pretty. You know, it's a paved path all the way up, so it's not very adventurous, but it's nice. I recommend going there. It's, it's really, really pretty. So I'm standing there and I'm looking, you know, and I'm, I, I, want, I want to connect with the Lord in that moment. And I kind of just turn my attention to him and, and I set my focus on this, this tree. You know, trees shouldn't grow in the middle of rocks. <laughs> but when there's a, a, tons of water around, I could just imagine that the roots of those, of those trees, the little bunch of trees had grown down through those rocks and were probably even touching that water. And those trees that were all around that waterfall in the middle of that rocky stuff were just so green and so bright and so, you know, healthy. The whole area was just bright, bright green. And, and you know, I just, I was thinking of Psalm 1 where it says, He who meditates in the law or the word night and day will be like a tree planted by water. And his, he will bear fruit in season, his leaf will not wither, and everything he does will prosper. And I'm thinking, okay, so here's this tree in the middle of a rocky, difficult place to be, but because it's connected to life, water, it's living and thriving. And the top of that tree probably doesn't even know that there's rocks down there. You know what I mean? It's so being fed in the middle of that stuff <coughs> That it, man, it's just, it's just living and flourishing and thriving. That, that's where we are. We are literally delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. We have the spirit of God inside of us. We have the essence of God. You know, that's one of my favorite things to think about and, and really even teach on, and I think I say it nearly every week, but there's... This aspect of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, when he ascended back into the heavenly holy of holies with his own blood, we're told in Hebrews, to make an eternal spiritual offering with his life blood, to cleanse that heavenly mercy seat, to forever cast out the accuser of the brethren, that is Satan. You know, you, you do realize that Satan no longer has access to God. Because when Jesus ascended with his own blood, he cleansed. And in Revelation 14, when it talks about, Behold, I saw Satan falling like lightning from the heaven. That's when it happened. 
You know, there was a rebel where Satan fell, you know, in other words, you know, left his authority as an angel, but when he was kicked out of heaven was when Jesus went back into it. So that means that there is no accuser of you standing before God reminding God of all those bad things that you're doing right now. He's been kicked out. The only thing that God hears and sees about you is that blood. And if you're in that blood, that's how God sees you. Now, God sees everything, you know. There, there's, a, there's a say. See, he's not holding our sin against us, but some people have changed that to say God doesn't see your sin. Well, of course he does. He sees everything. But he's not holding it against you. Amen? Amen. So there is that reality that we're in that place. We're hidden in, with Christ in God. Our, our roots are into that spiritual dimension. So he went into heaven and exchanged his life with human blood for our life and gave us the opportunity to have his life, eternal life. You know, he became a human, lived perfectly so that human blood could go into heaven and be exchanged for heaven life. Does that make sense to you? Propitiation has to do with exchange. So we have that life, but we're not always yielded to it. You know, we're not always at a place where we're trusting God. I mean, with how we treat our bodies, with our food choices, with how we treat our spouses, with how we talk to our kids, with how we worry, you know. And I'm not just talking about all the little behavioral modification things that we're supposed to do as good Christians. I just mean living this life knowing that we have God on our side. He is teaching us and seeking to establish what he did in Christ in our lives. Wouldn't it be nice if there were a way to bypass our intellect, to bypass the circumstances that we've had in our lives, and, and speak directly into this dimension what it is that's on God's heart for us? Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to just kind of bypass the way that we think, what we feel, what we focus on, what we allow to limit God? Have I got you thinking? I mean, what would that be like if there were no hindrances between God and the manifestation of his spirit in this life? I'm kind of setting you up a little bit because there kind of is a gift. There is a, a, a power that he gave us. And, you know, we as people who focus on the spirit of God really make it seem really weird for the rest of the Christian world and for unbelievers, but I'm talking about praying in tongues. I'm talking about praying not from the intellect, but praying as led by the Spirit of God. Because that's really all that it is. It's you bypassing your intellect, and because <clears throat> mankind has dominion on this planet, and, and we have the authority in this planet, in our tongue, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Well, that's King James language for saying, your tongue will eat the fruit of what you love to give power to, whether it be life or death. Your tongue, in other words, what you get in your life, you will eat the fruit of what you speak, whether it be life or death. 
I'm not talking about trying to shape the world with your tongue and throw out a bunch of magic incantations to just make stuff happen. I'm talking about just daily life, the way you live, the way you pray, the way you talk to people. You know, those day-to-day things where we open our mouths and later we wish we hadn't opened our mouths, you know. And we see it, man, so much in the country right now. And I'm not really trying to direct this toward a, it's not a political statement, but man, there we're going to get what we say. And if, if believers, if Christians keep bashing and being negative and cursing, and, you know, even though we might not agree and things are not what we would want, it's up to us to pray and speak life and, 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 and declare heaven on earth. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So with unknown tongues, it's really, you know, and I don't try to go, I don't try and talk about this a lot or really force things on people because the Holy Spirit's the teacher. Now, I do want you to have enough information where if you are not utilizing that gift today after the service, you want help doing that, we will help you. It's not something that makes you more spiritual. It's not something that makes you more of a Christian. It's just a, it's just a gift that God has given us that when we don't know how to pray, you can pray in an unknown tongue, and it's like God praying through you. Amen. Well, I've tried, and I didn't know if it was real or not. Well, it's faith. It's an act of faith. So just a couple of points, you know, biblically on it. When the Spirit of God was given at Pentecost, it said that they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. So who was doing the speaking? They spoke as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Sometimes people have the mindset that, you know, the Spirit of God, if it's, if it's real, then I'm out of control. See, that, that's even with, even with demonic stuff, you're ne- I've been possessed. You know, I'm not sure that you can say that. I hope you can't. <laughs> but even, I mean, lost and possessed, never having been born again, hearing literal voices, knowing that I was on my way to hell, and convinced of every single thing that those voices were telling me, I still had the power to make choices and yield to those voices or not. Now, I'm not saying my experience is everyone's experience with demons, because I think with the demonic, you can become so convinced that you're out of control, that you do everything that they tell you to do. But that's just a lie, because mankind has dominion on this planet, not demons. There's never one time that the enemy is more powerful than you, even if you're lost. So, you yield to them or not. It's the same thing with God. You yield to God. I'm not presenting some kind of dualism thing where God can only do what you yield to. He's all-powerful. He can do whatever he wants to, but he's given us dominion over this place right now. So, yielding to him in using that gift of tongues is not... See, here's what we do as charismatics. It's like dissecting a frog. Like, you take a frog, right? And it's living and breathing and chirping and whatever it does, you know, bumping its butt when it jumps and all that. But you take it and you go through the process where you can dissect it. You cut it open. You, you know, how many of you ever dissected a frog? Did you do that in school? Yeah. It's weird. But, so like... You got this frog, you take out the liver, you take out the, you know, the heart, you take out the intestines, and, and you got everything all spread out, right? 
and you're looking at this thing going, okay, well, these are frog parts, but it's no longer a frog. You know what I mean? It's so dissected that everything is separate. That's what we do in Christianity. We take things like tongues, we take things like the baptism of the Spirit, and we separate it, and we set it over here, and we run it through our little perspective, and we're like, okay, this is this, but it, it, it loses the life of it because we've taken it out and made it something that it shouldn't really even be. Or, or that it's now this thing that we're analyzing, and it's not connected to the whole body. See, we... And, I, and I'll say, you might not identify as charismatic. When I say charismatic, what I mean is that we believe in the gifts. We believe in healing, praying in tongues, stuff like that. Uh, I don't mean, you know, tearing up the chairs and running around and stuff like that. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you know, something. So, but that's what we do when we talk to other people or when we try to get people to pray in tongues, when we try to get people to believe in healing or when we try to get that. It's like we dissect it. We take it out. And we even say that it's a separate thing. So just quickly, the baptism of the Spirit. It's, John prophesied, said that when he comes, the Messiah comes, he will baptize with fire and the Holy Ghost. Now, you think about what was happening there. This is a guy that was seeing prophetically. They'd never seen a righteous human being on this planet. They had never seen a human being that was filled with the Spirit of God that was made eternally righteous in his spirit. And to them, when John saw that, that must have looked like fire to him. That must have looked like, because what does fire do? It, it cleanses, right? It burns everything in its sight, and only what's left is what's left. Well, that's, that's the image that we get. The baptism in fire is not, see, the charismatic spin on it would be, Ooh, fire, I'm fired up, you know, power, and, 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 it, and it might have to do with that. But it also has to do with cleansing. So a prophetic understanding of being baptized with fire is that you're cleansed. Now think about it. John had never seen a human being that was righteous, indwelt by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God would rest upon people, anoint them for a task, lift off of them, and they would move on as their, you know, unrighteous self. So to be baptized with fire is not necessarily some crazy thing that happens where you lose all control. It's, it's receiving the Spirit of God to the degree that you are burned and cleansed to the core and everything is gone. And then he gives you his Spirit. It's interesting that it's the baptism and those are together, right? The fire and the Spirit. And see, again, we want to separate that stuff. The baptism of fire. Well, the baptism of fire comes and... and you're cleansed, and he fills you with his spirit. And I would say that is actually the same thing as saying being born of the spirit, being born again, being born from above, being born of heaven. But again, we like to take all those things. If you, if you were to just look at what happens when somebody says yes to Jesus, and they, they say, yes, I will receive what Jesus did for me, whether they know it or not, God gives them his life. And that fire burning, that cleansing happens, that sanctification happens. I would even say that the baptism of fire is the same as sanctification. You know, why do we have to make everything so separate and different? If you really look at how these things were taught, they weren't all these different theological things that were trying to be taught. They, these guys had never seen this stuff before. They were just trying to say what they were seeing. And Jesus taught it as a 
birthing of the Spirit, as a baptism in the Spirit. I do not think that being baptized in the Holy Ghost is a separate event that happens from being born again. Baptism in fire, baptism of the Spirit, most likely happens when you receive the Spirit of God inside of you. There's never a time when you have to go get more from God. That's the lie from the enemy all the way back to the garden that says, maybe you can get something on your own. If you eat this tree, you eat of this tree, you can gain some stuff on your own. God didn't really give you everything you need. I mean, that, that, was, that was what it caused Adam and Eve to do, was look outside of themselves to complete themselves. Did God really say, you know, you, you, you start questioning God's character, then you present the opportunity that in your own efforts you can gain something that God hasn't already given you. That's what we do to people when we put them under the mindset that you get born again, but then you've got to get the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me look at this because you, some of you that know the word might be thinking about, well, what about Paul? What about when Paul was doing his thing and he came across those people? And do you know what I'm talking about? Well, let's look at that. It's in Acts. I've got it in my notes here. What was it? Acts 16? 19. 19. Let me get down here. My notes haven't refreshed. I'll, get, I'll give your mind time to catch up. You learn anything so far? All right, Acts 19, verse 1. I'll just read through the whole thing, and then we'll go back and look at it. I'm actually in the uh, NIV so that it <coughs> sounds normal. All right, Acts 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? They said, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, there were about 12 men in all. Now, this is 12 people. Isn't it interesting that this story made it in? You know, just 12 people. But, but look at it. That sounds like, and maybe you've been taught, that these people were born again, but they didn't have the Spirit, so Paul went down there and gave them the Spirit. You ever, have you ever been taught that? But look what he's saying. Why did he back it up and teach them, okay, well, so this is what John did, but the one you're supposed to believe in is the one that John talked about, and that's Jesus. So that's the one that you need to receive. You, you see what I'm saying? Because John was on the planet prophesying and declaring the coming of the Messiah, the opportunity to be cleansed by the Messiah, the one who would baptize with the Spirit and with fire. These people had not yet heard of that aspect. You understand what I'm saying? I do not think these people were born again, and then Paul gave them the Spirit. I just don't think the way that he chose to explain the process 
lends itself to say that they didn't that they were born again but didn't have the spirit. Are you on the same page with that? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. This is see, these are one of those things why I don't really take time to teach on it a lot, because people have different opinions and I'd rather just focus on Jesus, but it's important because this is a gift that you can have. And some of you are not utilizing it because you're thinking that God's got something separate from your born-again experience that you haven't yet received. Or that you don't have the power to do. Or that you don't have whatever. You understand? That's a lie all the way back to the garden that says you are incomplete. You need to do something else to get more of God. That's why I get a little, little sideways when I hear people talking about a particular kind of impartation that makes it sound like you get something that you didn't already have if you're born again. Impartation is stirring up the gift that's already in you. So another place Paul says, I'm going to, you know, he says he's through the, he stirs up the gift that's in you through the laying on of his hands. He's not saying the gift is in you because he laid hands on you. What he's saying is the gift's in you, so I'm going to stir it up by laying hands on you. Now let me give you kind of a modern day parable of, of how that might work. You know, it's like a tuning fork, right? You strike a tuning fork, and whatever you put it up next to, that thing begins to resonate <coughs> on the same frequency, you know? You, you can, have you ever done something where you played a trick on somebody and you start singing a song just to see if they'll start singing it later? <laughs> have you ever, you ever done that? Yeah. Okay. It, it's, it's like that same type of thing. It's in there. You're just waking it up, or you're, you're helping their heart connect to that. You know, I even look at some of the things of the Spirit not as, not as uh, uh, separate things or this mystical process, but almost like energetics. You know, the Spirit is in us in pure energy. And sometimes it just takes your heart resonating on that frequency to be able to connect with what the Spirit is doing and saying. The, the frequency of the gift that's in you is being blocked by your heart. Sometimes there are places in our heart that don't have the radio tuned to God's voice frequency or gift frequency to let that happen. Does that make sense to you? You know, the issue is not that God is withholding. That's the original lie from the devil from the garden. The issue is not that you don't have all of the Spirit of God because in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and Christ is in you. So in you must also be the fullness of the Godhead. Now, in essence, I don't mean that, you know, God's not out there. He's somehow packed inside of you, like we think when we're 10, you know. God's in there, sitting in my heart, you know. No, the, the life essence. And if you truly understand the exchange at the cross... When he went into heaven with that human blood so that he could give spirit blood to us, that's what it's talking about. You get the essence of God in its fullness. So God is in us like in an unlimited potential state that we can tap by faith and begin to experience in our lives. But the problem is the way that we think, what we've been taught, what we feel, our body, all that stuff can block, you know? You see it with the children of Israel. You see it with when God told Moses to go get the children of Israel, bring them out so I can dwell among them. They wandered in the, in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years, 
And at the end of that, God gives the, the explanation of why it took so long. He says, you didn't mix faith with the promise in your heart. You limited the Holy One of Israel. <sighs> what? And he ties all that to, in your heart, there was unbelief. Right. It's all about the heart. Praying in tongues is a way to bypass your mind, the condition of your heart, all the stuff that you've been through because it's an act of faith that you do because you have dominion on this planet. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. God has good plans for you. It's like you're just praying exactly what God would say. Romans 8. Flip over there with me to Romans 8. You think I'm making that part up. But watch. And again, this is not a charismatic. Some of you visitors are thinking, oh, I didn't know they did that kind of stuff here. Yeah. It's all right. You know, I'm not, this is not going, it's not where we break out the snakes and get weird. <laughs> but we are incredibly serious about experiencing everything that God is in us. Amen. So in Romans 8, Man, there's just so much in there. I think, I think what I'm going to do a series on Romans 8, and it's probably going to take about two years. <laughs> so, but this is where he talks about this. So this is verse 26, Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. Did you know that? I, I mean, when you read the Bible... You read the Bible? Yep. Okay. When you read it and you come across little things like that, man, I, you know, just stop and think about that. Do, do I live my life in such a way that I believe and I expect that the Spirit is helping my infirmities? Okay, let's move on. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. You ever feel that way? I don't, I don't know what the heck I'm supposed to be praying right now. And, and, and we don't want to pray. You know, do you ever just feel like not praying? Yeah. All right, let's be honest. <laughs> but the Spirit, this says itself, I have it marked out, himself. But the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us which, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now watch this. This big, big, big scripture that gets attached to everything in context comes after praying in tongues. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You ever heard that passage Taken out, you know, that's like taking out the heart of the frog and putting it over here and looking at the heart going, you know, and you forget that it came out of a frog. You, we do that with this passage. We take this passage out and apply it to losing children. And we apply it to the injustices that are happening all over the planet. Well, everything works for good according to God's purposes. No. In context, what he's talking about is when you don't know how to pray, you yield to the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is praying for you. And it's, it's like God is standing there 
in that spiritual dimension singing a song to see if he can get you to sing the same song. And when you don't know how to say it, you pray in tongues. And you're singing the same song that he's singing. And it doesn't have to be some weird, out-of-control thing. It's a faith act. It says it right here. When you don't know how to pray, the Spirit's praying for you. Read 1 Corinthians 14 as your homework this week and read through there. And it gives the particulars how to appropriately use the gift and all that stuff. But man, I don't want you to miss out on being in harmony with what God has for you. With what God wants to do through you on this planet. With how God wants to glorify himself through you because your grandfather taught you that tongues was of the devil. I don't want you to miss out. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? If you don't believe in it, that's fine. Whatever. I'm not mad at you. It's really, it really, it, this is between you and God. Ask God, God, is this, is this for me? Is this something that you want? Do, I, do you really want me to do that? Because, you know, I used to watch that guy back in the 80s do that on TV, and look what happened to him, you know. It's okay. The way it works is if you don't do it, and you would like to, because with me, they tried to get me to do it in church. I'm like, I didn't do it. Uh -uh. I'd go home and do it by myself. Now, again, if you don't, we would love the opportunity to help you today. But you don't have to do it that way. But it's, it, you, when you begin, you're going to feel like you're making stuff up. Yeah. Do you know why? Because you are. <laughs> but there's that moment where you come into harmony with the Spirit of God, and it flows. Yeah. And it's an act of faith. Do you believe that praying in English is valuable. Yes. Why? Because you understand it. Yeah, but I mean, even beyond that, beyond understanding it, why, why do you pray? Why go through the physical act of speaking with your mouth and saying things outwardly? <coughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's all kinds of different ways, but the tongue... Praying in tongues is the same thing. It's not that foreign to open your mouth and sounds come out of it to pray. You do that already anyway. But why do we make it so weird? Again, we, we dissect it. We take everything apart. And we made it something over here. We made the baptism something separate event. It's not. It's in you. You're going to feel like you're making it up. But you, it's an act of faith. You begin. It says, they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. The utterance will come. The, 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 the effortless part of flowing in it will come. And there's a guy, Jewish guy, not even a believer. I think his name is Dr. Rosenberg. Do, are any, anybody familiar with his research? Is it Rosenberg? It's a really cool video on YouTube. I recommend you to look it up. I'll make sure we post it into the uh, Living Forward group for those of you that are in there. If you're not in our Facebook group, let us know. We can put you in there. But this guy did research, and he hooked three different types of spiritual people up to um, EKG. Or what's the brain scan? CAT scan. Cat, cat scan. No, I think it was, a, it was an EKG. EEG. EEG. That was it. Yeah, it's an electrical thing. To test what parts of the brain are active when you're doing certain types of activities. Well, when you speak, the frontal lobe, 
lights up. We'll just use that terminology because that's how it looks on the scan. And it, and it shows the part of your brain that actually is engaged in speech to where you're using your language and your, your, your tongue is forming syllables that you're familiar with to make words. You know, that's the part of your brain that lights up. That part of the brain lit up when Buddhists and I think they did a Hindu person would pray and do their meditation thing. But when a Christian came in there that prayed in tongues, they hooked her up. They did it with a couple of different people, and it's funny because it's this, you know, this spirit-filled, I think, southern black woman, and she gets in there, man, she gets going. And, and, you, and these scientists are in there in their coats, you know, and, they're, and she's just, man, she's just worshiping. It's so powerful. Just, just watching the video for that's worth it. But what happens is a different part of the brain actually lights up when she is praying in tongues. It starts out when she's praying and, and, and worshiping the frontal lobe. Then a different part lights up when she starts to pray in tongues. And, and he doesn't go into this research, but I've read some other stuff that I, I'd have to dig it back out. But it's a part of the brain that starts to kind of mimic when people are in a state of mind where they lose sense of spatial reality, in other words, where they are, and, and what time it is. It almost mimics an electrical function where people who have brain, like a concussion, you know, you ever seen somebody have a concussion, get foot, hitting a football game or something, and they, they don't know what day it is? Or, it looks kind of like that. They lose sense of where they are, what time it is, and a different part lights up. Now, the conclusion that this guy came to was that the types of syllables and sounds that these people are making, Christians that are praying in tongues, those types of syllables and sounds and the way they're forming their tongue and what they're doing in their mouth is actually different than when they pray in English and the frontal lobe lights up. That means they don't know what they're saying. That means it's sounds and syllables that are different than the language they normally talk in. Isn't that interesting? You know, and now again, that's part of that dissecting the frog, take it out, well, here, here's the research. I'm not trying to prove to you, but, but it, it's interesting that there's science to back it up, you know? So you don't know what you're saying. You don't feel like it's even real when you begin. Some of you that do it sometimes don't even feel like, I'm just, this is, this is not connecting. But what the gift is for is for edification. It's to build you up. And I've done this. And there's sometimes that I don't do this, and I remember, why am I not doing that? <laughs> because you can feel in your darkest, deepest place and begin to exercise that act of faith and begin to pray in tongues, and you will be edified if it shifts from you just making it a mental exercise to really engaging God in your heart. You know, I, I wanted to kind of show you this picture that we are connected to God. God is not just separate out there that we're trying to live toward him. He's given himself to us. He's placed his spirit within us. He is praying for us. And he wants to pray through us. And when you don't know how to pray, what a powerful gift. But I see that picture. He's standing there and he's singing. Are you going to sing that song? Are you going to echo into this physical dimension what he's saying in that unseen dimension? Because really that's what it is. And when you do, this place, man, it's like this place lights up 
and, and hears that, hears that message from heaven. It's like a teacher walking into a classroom. All those kids, they straighten up and they do what they're supposed to do. You know, some, some of them. <laughs> That's what happens when we manifest our sonship, when we echo what heaven is saying, when we speak and, and that's why it says prophecy is so important and powerful because it's those messages that are not just your understanding but the voice of God being spoken through you into this place. You know, like Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is already, whatever you loose in heaven is already loosed on earth is the way the language says it. What you allow, what you disallow, it has to do with what's going on in your heart and in your mind. And you can bypass that. You ever felt like that? You know, we talk a lot about the heart in here. And it's like, oh, I've got a lot of work to do on my heart. When you really don't. You just have to get your beliefs focused in the right place and your heart's already doing what it's supposed to do. In trusting God because he gave you a new one. Man, I, I, don't, I don't want you to miss out on that. Father, we thank you.